morning. Welcome to Northminster Church this morning. We are so glad that you are here, whether you're joining us in person or online. It is a joy to have you with us this morning. Uh, Several announcements for you. The first is to welcome any visitors who are with us today. We are so glad and honored by your presence and hope that you will join us in all aspects of our service, including communion. Uh, If you have not been with us before, there are instructions about how we do communion on the insert in your order of worship or just follow the person in front of you. They probably know what they're doing, won't lead you astray. As a reminder, we, we ask you to participate fully, those of you who are visiting, those of you who are here every Sunday, because the best thing we can bring to worship is ourselves. So do please keep that in mind throughout this worship service to bring your whole self with you this morning. I would also ask you to fill out the worship registry that is on each of your rows, um, and if you could do that legibly, that would really help Renee and I figure out who's here. And then um, actually a small change, um, for those of you who usually go around and pick those up, don't worry about it. Leave them where they are. They do not need to be picked up after the service. Renee and I will take care of it. We're trying to figure out how to figure out where you, all of you are sitting. That'll help us figure out who's here. So if you will just leave those where they are, Renee and I will take care of that tomorrow. Also, you will notice uh, the beautiful flowers up front. Uh, Marilyn did these this week. Yes, this is one of Marilyn's. Um, Do please take some of these with you today after the service to brighten your day or someone else's. Uh, Okay, on to events coming up. We have a family gathering today at 4.30 at the Mayfields. Is that rain or shine? Okay. Bring a lawn chair. Beth is giving me the thumbs up. So make sure you bring a chair, um, make sure you bring whatever food or beverage you have signed up for and out at the Mayfields at 4.30. And then right after worship today, we are starting something new that I'm hopeful you will all participate in. I wrote about it in the newsletter this week. We're just going to have a a pretty simple, straightforward time of fellowship. There's going to be coffee, there will be juice, and uh, options for the kiddos right out here in the narthex. I've also set out name tags. Uh, I know we're not all fans of those, but I also know we don't all know each other's names. So if you read the newsletter, you know I gave you three assignments. Here are your three assignments. I want you to wear a name tag, please. First and last name for everybody to know your name. I want you to introduce yourself to someone you haven't met yet or don't know very well. And then here's the biggie. I would like for you to learn three things about three people who are not your partner, your spouse, or your family. Go learn something new about somebody. Whatever it is, small piece of trivia, we are doing this to try to get to know each other better, to spend some time together, to not all rush to the Piccadilly at once. So please stick around for that after our service. I also need to say a big thank you to Reverend Daryl Cluck. Uh, I was originally going to be out this week, and I said, hey, Daryl, I need you to preach for me. And he said, I'm on it. And then I said, Daryl, I'm not going to be out this week. Will you still preach for me? And he said, I'm on it. Um, he has a wonderful message for us today that I think it's important we all hear. So, Daryl, thank you for being here. And now I'm going to ask that we take a deep breath together. We take this deep breath to settle ourselves to allow our minds and our hearts to catch up with our bodies if it helps you to close your eyes that is perfectly fine but take that deep breath let it not just fill your lungs let it go all the way down to your toes as you breathe out breathe out your to-do list breathe out distraction 
Breathe out the dirty dishes in the sink. They'll still be there when church is over. Breathe in the love of God. Breathe in the safety of this good space. Know that you are created just as you were supposed to be. Breathe out again. Feel the love of this space. And then let us worship God. Our monthly mission trunk emphasis for this month is MedCamps. MedCamps' mission is to improve the health and wellness of people living with chronic illnesses and disabilities through unique recreational and educational camping experiences. Since 1987, MedCamps has grown tremendously. They began with 13 kids for one week in 1987. And now they have 450 children over a 12-week period. And they were serving one chronic illness in 1987 and now serving more than 16. MedCamps of Louisiana has never charged a fee to attend camp. And with the continued support of the community, corporations, and civic organizations and like us, and the continued success of fundraising events, they hope they'll be able to make this statement year after year. Their wish list is listed in the insert in the order of worship, so check that out, as well as on their website, which is medcamps.org. They did mention that it has not changed from last year, and with the exception of they don't need any more hand sanitizer for some reason. <laughs> to purchase items right off of Amazon and have them delivered right to MedCamp's doorstep, see their Amazon wish list on their website. Thanks for supporting MedCamps. Thank you, Craig. Now, if you would all please join me in this morning's call to worship. We gather here in anticipation. Seeking an encounter with God. Who comes among us when we least expect it. Who invites us to wrestle with our questions and doubts. Who loves us as we are. Let us worship God together.
Good morning. Good morning. That's a little better. How's everybody today? Good. Can I read a book to you? Okay. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We don't have time. But if you want to look at it after church, you can, okay? So, I'm going to have to read it and then show you the pictures. In our town, the winter, heavy flakes swarm and, the, and glaze the earth. You, you, and I slide, holding on to each other. She is my neighbor and my best friend. Together we titter and shimmy and giggle to school. You see him there going to school? Days before Lunar New Year, my parents say we're moving far away. Dan Dan, will you come back, you you asks. I kick snow. I don't know. On Lunar New Year, the grown-ups bustle, their faces swallowed by steam. Crunchy vegetables skid around the walk. Flame-red chilies speckle silky noodles. Batches of dumplings jiggle in boiling water. So they're cooking special food for the holiday. And do you see them there peeking over the edge? Nine-Eye finishes up our dumplings. Eat more tonight, she wipes her eyes with the corner of her apron. So you never forget Nine-Eye's dumplings. We dip them into black vinegar and soy sauce. We bite into the egg and chive filling. Mmm, Yu-Yu licks her lips. The best, I say. Nine-Eye stories chime in my ears. Garlic and ginger tickle my nose. I close my eyes to remember everything. When the grown-ups start their card game, Yu-Yu pokes me. She and I have our own New Year's Eve tradition. We pleat red papers, zigzag our scissors and unfold. We sink our cutouts into water, stretching strings across metal plates, and step carefully into the cold. Our best snowflakes yet, Yu Yu says. And my last, my voice shivers. She grabs my hand and pulls me toward the flashing fireworks. Do you see they make these special sort of snowflakes? At dawn, our families are still sleeping. You and I race. We knock on our plates. The circles pop out. We hang our ornaments and watch them spin in the sunlight. So they're going to hang them up on trees. I got you something, you you says. She gives me a stack of red paper and a spool of string so you can make cutouts with new friends in America. <coughs> you you and I hug, not letting go. She whispers, friends are friends forever. So then they move. They move all the way from that part of the world, all the way across to the United States. It's a long way. No more breakfast at Grandma Ty's cart, dipping fresh crullers in hot honeyed soy milk. Here, I eat alone. No more threading through traffic, honking and hollering. Here, streets are roomy and neat. No more dreaming to the neighbor's laughter and checkmates our courtyard lullaby. Here, nights are silent and still. I watch other kids slide. I hear them giggle. But when they come near, the circle closes, and I can't say anything. So she gets really sad. Winter comes. It's not an easy time in her life. On my birthday, I wear a satin dress. My classmates snicker. You look awesome, a girl smiles. She shows me her artwork. Red's my favorite color, too. 
Christina and I, that's her new friend's name, share an easel. She untangles words that my dictionary does not. We build forts and whisper our secrets. With Christina, my voice blooms. Remember this? She raises her hand. High five, I say. We clap our palms and giggle. So Christina goes over to the, to the house to celebrate the next Lunar New Year with her new friend. And here's what happens. At dawn, we dash to the grumbling machine and knock on the pans. We hang the ornaments. They make the same kind of ornaments that she made back home, high and proud, and watch them glisten and melt. I like Lunar New Year, Christina smiles. I like being your friend. Me too. I stand a little taller. Friends are friends forever. So you see, here she is with her new friend, and there she is with her friend back home. And they're doing the same sorts of things. So, why do you think I chose to read you this book today? What do you think the point is? Because um, to love people. To love people, that's part of it, yeah. What do you think, Ricky? I think that it's part of New Year. Part of New Year, yeah. We talked about the New Year. Anybody else have a thought? Why do we read this today? Well, part of the reason is because May is Asian and Pacific Islander Month. It's a month kind of like Black History Month when we celebrate and remember um, all of the ways Asian and Pacific Islanders have um, added to our culture and to our country. We also read this book because I wanted you to see that even when you move or something happens in your life and you have to make new friends, it's really, really helpful, and it's really, really good for other people when we're kind, when we're patient with them, when we say, I really like your dress, even though it might not look like anything we've ever seen before. And it helps other people when we take the chance to treat them the way we want to be treated, right? Now, I know you all know that, but I just wanted to remind you this week to do your best, not only to be a good friend to people you already know, but also to treat other people you may not know as well as you possibly can, the way you want to be treated. Because that's something that Jesus tries to teach us, is to treat other people the way we would want to be treated. It's just a good way to live life. Okay? Can you try that this week for me? All right. Now, turn around, face the congregation. This is the part that you lead. Turn all the way around, hands to ourselves, sit up nice and tall. I will say the first line, you say it back to me nice and loud, adults, congregation, you are welcome to join in. I see the face of God in you. I see the face of God in you. The love of Christ comes shining through. The love of Christ comes shining through. And I am blessed to be with you. And I am blessed to be with you. O holy child of God. O holy child of God. Amen. You can go back to your seats. Thank you.
Let's pray together. Our loving, holy parent, how are we to go about praying as a congregation when each of us wants a word with you? How can one of us speak for all of us? How can we lift each other's prayers to you without knowing what they are? So we'll try. We'll try being quiet long enough for each of our heart's deep longings to come to consciousness and then to be brought before you. God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Our dedicated friend, one thing we can all use is more work at having our encounters with you be genuine. So much of our God business is about you rather than with you. Maybe the reason we sometimes feel far from you and your purpose for us is that we really don't want to get too close to you. Lord, even with your friendship, you can be a little scary, too intense. And you so often ask things of us that are hard and uncomfortable. Holy Spirit, penetrate our emptiness, our imposter syndrome, our doubts, and our fears, so that we still our flight and know that you are God. Know ourselves known. Know ourselves overwhelmed with fullness, forgiveness, and freedom. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all, in you we find fullness, forgiveness, and freedom. Remind us that you are a God of presence who never stops seeking us. Remind us that you hear even our quietest, smallest prayers. You understand the deepest longings of our hearts as well as the prayers of the world. Hear the cries of your beloved throughout the world. Keep giving us to each other. Enlarge our hearts. Raise up generations of human liberators. Recreate in all your love for the world as we behold it in Jesus Christ our Lord. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for the church. Where is the church going? What is the future of this place and so many others dedicated to serving you? You have called us in the church to be saints. Be with us as we seek to live out that calling, imperfectly, sometimes stuttering, but faithfully and with our whole hearts committed to your love and justice. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
text before us this morning is from 1 Peter. It's not something you hear very often from this pulpit, or any pulpit. We don't uh, read 1 Peter very much. In fact, it's one of those uh, books of the New Testament. I mean, Paul wrote the New Testament, and then it's one of those other books other than Paul. In fact, we don't even think that Peter, uh, the apostle, is the one who wrote it. Was probably part of that school of Peter, those group of folks around Peter carrying on Peter's ideas. And these ideas may be precisely what we need to hear this morning. Hear now the word of God as it is written in 1 Peter, the second chapter. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk so that by it you may be growing into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight, and like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, see, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe he is precious, but for those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May the Lord add blessing to the reading of the word and increase its knowledge and understanding in our hearts. Ramped up, amped up, ratchet up, gin up, up the ante, double down, jump start, get behind the curve, swim against the tide, go south, go belly up, level the playing field, open the floodgates, think outside the box, stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> I was reading an article in the New York Times last week on cliches in writing. And this article about cliches in writing consisted only <laughs> and entirely of two pages of cliches. <laughs> the article concludes with the following cliches, outsized, gobsmacked, turbocharged, weaponized, apocalyptic, and existential. <laughs> so I must confess that according to the list, I'm guilty. In fact, I might have been a cliché-aholic for all I know. So the moral of the story is that in your writing, avoid clichés like the plague. 
which really gets to the problem of cliches, they're ubiquitous. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Well, once it was a movie title, now it's a cliche. Clichés begin life innocently as little figures of speech. Then those images grow into idioms and the relentless repeating of those images goes on until they lose their meaning. And it could be that the church is in the forefront of those who are making mincemeat out of the meaning of sacred word pictures. A cliche occurs when the once fresh imagery loses its meaning with overuse and abuse. In the scripture this morning from 1 Peter, we encounter a whole chapter full of some of the most beloved images for what it means to be the people of God. The writer of the text heaps on image after image to shape the mission of the people of God in his day. These images manifest our identity as God's people, children of God, living stones, Christ the cornerstone, house of God, temple of God, chosen nation, royal priesthood, no people becoming God's people, no mercy receiving God's mercy. But what do these and a multitude of other biblical images mean if we run them into the ground and grind them other, under our feet? Do we throw out the images altogether? Or do we find another way to say who we are? I don't think it's bad to creatively reimagine our spiritual life. But to throw out our images because we've sullied them, no way. No way, cliche, and no way do away with the images we hold dear. The way to do both is to breathe new life into the cliche. And that breathing is done by the Spirit of God in Christ. When the breath is stale, the church itself becomes a cliche. Holy halitosis, you might say. <laughs> Has that happened to us? Are we so in love with the words we say and the music we play and the way we pray that we can't see that we've lost our way in the land of cliché? <laughs> huh. Do we sing... Praise the Lord, every one of you, with phrases of praises time-tested and true. Praise the Lord and hallelujah, praising your phrasing in the manner expected so that your holiness is clearly detected. But beware the danger as you phrase your praises of becoming a person who praises the phrases. For phrases alone are not enough to give. Real praise is shown in the way that you live. Truth is that the cultural cliche of Christianity is killing us. The cliche of Christianity is judgmental, condemning, rigid. The cliche of the church, intolerant, condemning, exclusive. Folks, when many on the outside of the church hear us talk these words and talk about church, they hear the cliche. When they see us, immediately, if it's the church, it's the cliche. 
They don't differentiate easily on the styles of churches. That's just the church. That's just the Bible. That's just the way those people are. Now, I need to confess something to you, and I'm confessing on the behalf of myself and my wife. (laughs) Forgive me. I'll be in trouble after church. We We have several guilty pleasures, but the one I'll tell you about is the guilty pleasure of watching 90 Day Fiance. (laughs) I know, I know, I didn't want to. She dragged me in there. And I'm sitting there in my easy chair saying, are you coming? It's about ready to stop. Well, in it, an American transgender man is sharing his story with his potential in-laws who are in Columbia. He knows that they are very conservative religious folks. And he fears that their reaction is going to be one of aversion and rejection. To his surprise, when he tells them he is transgender and wants to marry their daughter, they're welcoming and accepting. And later he wonders, are they being honest? Is that real? And he said something that just went straight through me. He says, it's been my experience that the most hateful, most violent online responses to me are from Christians. Christian righteousness can become a caustic cliché. Our mission is to rehabilitate these worn-out images. Our calling is to be the cure for the common Christian cliché, especially when prejudice parades as Christian morality. Now, a bad habit I don't have that my wife has (laughs) is picking up pamphlets in various places This one came from a restaurant and it was strategically placed at the back of the church. I don't know if you know much about pamphlets and tracts. Debbie and I are going to be holding a um, workshop on this after church. But uh, I I cut my teeth, which is cliche, on these uh, tracts and pamphlets. Growing up in the church, they were always in the back of the church. And we would take them and we would put them in various places. So I I saw this and I wondered what it was really about. It has a picture of a child uh, shaking in terror with a teddy bear and it's titled Home Alone. And believe it or not, and I couldn't believe it. What follows is the most horrible and horrendous, reprehensible uh, screed I've ever seen. Really implying that all homosexuals are sexual predators. And picturing AIDS as the punishment for such. On and on it goes in terms of You've got to protect your little children at home because they are a part of a demonic 
enterprise to take your child. I'm going to still eat there because I like their catfish, but I am not going to <laughs> take any more pamphlets. Yeah, in fact, the first sermon I ever preached, I didn't know how to preach. They, I was 11. They said, you're preaching Sunday. Kind of like, you know, Jillian said, you're preaching Sunday. I was 11, so I said, sure. And uh, I'd been to camp, church, church camp, so they thought I could do it. And um, I went and picked up a bunch of the different pamphlets. And my sermon was the, basically the tracts and, and pamphlets that I had put together. Uh, not bad for an 11-year-old. Two people came forward and got saved. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I must have done something right. <laughs> Folks. This is the kind of cliche we're called to slay. The children of God is worthy of divine acceptance? No. The living stones is hyper-holy, hyper-righteous. The temple of God is the dwelling of the holier-than-thou. The chosen nation as an army out to destroy sinner and sin. The holy priesthood as an elite inner circle of the privilege. No way, cliche. Let the Spirit breathe life into these and all images of the people of God. The writer of 1 Peter is calling these Jewish Christians in Asia Minor to live up to the images of their identity. He's calling them to be who they are. Once you were no people, now you're God's people. Once you knew not mercy, now you know mercy. And all of these images that we read in 1 Peter come from the Old Testament. That's where they take these images and bring them to life. They don't have a temple. They're far out in Asia Minor, far away from Jerusalem. They don't even at this time have a church building or organized leadership. So when they say the church is being built up into a building, they're not talking about a church building. And so just like them, we must take the similes and metaphors in Scripture and make them new in our day. When Peter mentions no people and no mercy, he's talking about the prophet Hosea. The prophet Hosea was instructed to go and take a woman in the business of pleasure as his wife. He took her to his home. She kept running back to her questionable career. He kept getting her, bringing her home back and forth. Two children were born, and the children, first, the, the boy was named Lo-Ami, which means not my people. The girl was named Lo-Ruhama, no mercy. You see, what becomes a domestic tragedy is an allegory of God's faithfulness in the light of our faithlessness. No people becomes my people. No mercy becomes God's mercy. The cliche of a God too good to accept bad people is replaced with a God too good not to accept bad people. 
Our message to all those there who feel left out is you are welcome here among us. The ones who have not known mercy, you will find mercy here. Those who have not known a place to belong and a people will find a place to belong and people here. And we can't wait to welcome you with mercifulness. The images roll on. The temple of God doesn't mean a place to go and have ceremonies. It means where God is met. And if you have no physical temple and you are the temple of God, then that means people meet God wherever they meet you. I used to use this as a child evangelist about your body being the temple of God. Don't put anything impure in it. Don't put it, do anything impure with it. I used it as an excuse for not dancing when I was preaching in high school. And if you saw the way I danced, you would know that it was a sin. <laughs> Christians, wherever they are, are the presence of God to others. And not just the presence of God, but also the priesthood. We don't talk a lot about priests. We see them do lots of different things in coronations of kings and things of that sort, but we haven't got those kinds of things. The piddly little robes we wear, that's nothing compared to the priests. And yet because we've made priestness a cliche, we miss the fact that we all are priests. Handling holy things, hearing confession, pronouncing forgiveness, interceding, a priest at every elbow, handing out holiness, hearing desperate struggles, declaring God's grace, bringing the pain of living to the living one. In fact, we're even living stones. In the Greek, that means a stone that's not been quarried. So there are those out there that haven't been quarried yet that belong to this temple. And we're to find those and bring those folks to be a part of what God has done. So, you can blame it on the cliche, but this week, no way. I want you to take the no way cliche challenge. Now somebody's going to have to help me put this on TikTok. <laughs> the no cliche challenge, okay. The no way no, uh, cliche challenge goes like this. Now, we don't have to worry about secular cliches. We'll let, we'll let each other off the hook. Cliché. Let's just concentrate on religious cliches. When you hear yourself say one, or even worse, catch yourself living one, stop and let the Spirit speak through. Does it mean what it's supposed to mean? Does it mean anything? Is it real? Are we real? Only God can make it. Therefore, picture the word of God in the words of mortals, tongue of flame and language lame. See the sacred image through human eyes, vision of the true with a broken view. A cliche might not only cramp your writing style, but might even slay your soul. The risen Lord will resurrect imagery divine and from humble hearts and minds create expression most sublime. When cliche has gone away. Identity and imagery kiss the new day.
As we come to this time of communion still in this Easter season, we celebrate the risen Christ and embrace the grace with which he rose from the tomb. We embrace faith by committing to love and action. On this day, we shout hallelujah, Christ is risen. It is through our neighbors and creation that we see the rising of Christ. We celebrate the shifting of seasons from one to the next. As the earth moves from winter to spring and soon to summer, it begins to drink in the warm rains, and creation comes alive once again. And so, in this spirit of brightness and life, we celebrate. We celebrate the risen Christ in our midst. We celebrate the table at which we can join together with friends and strangers, loved ones and even enemies. Through this meal, which has stood the test of time, we covenant to love God. Through a simple meal of wine and grape, we, God's children, unite. This is not my table. This is not Northminster's table. This is Christ's table. We are the guests. Christ is the host. There is a seat here with your name on it. So kick off your walking shoes and make yourself comfortable. We are sitting and will be standing on holy ground. All are wanted and all are welcomed here with our doubts, our shortcomings, our failures, our grief. No matter what you bring to this table, you aren't just tolerated here. You are overwhelmingly, abundantly welcomed and wanted. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Now please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because of his relentless pursuit of love, Jesus was seized by those in power. But before he received, Jesus introduced this meal to his followers. Because even when he knew the end was coming, he gathered together with his friends at the table, sharing time and space. As that night lengthened, Jesus took a simple portion of bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he shared it with the disciples, saying, Remember me. 
And then after dinner, Jesus took a cup, he blessed it, and while he was doing that, he reminded them how he would go to the ends of the earth in his love for them and for all of us. Today, we celebrate that earth-shaking love of Jesus, a love that sent him to the cross, that brought him out of the grave, a love that lives with us eternally, encouraging each of us to live a resurrected life. Amen. Thank you.